So today we're talking to Amper Eve. Um, she is a comedian, stripper, burlesque dancer. Uh, I would call her an artist. She does a little bit of everything, but all of it is about expressing herself. Um, born in a tiny little Catholic town in Germany, um, had some problems finding herself. She was identified as a highly talented kid and uh, felt like a loner, lived in a fantasy world. Kind of rediscovered herself through a group of people or with a group of people in Switzerland where she has lived since early age um, and uh, went to university, dropped out, tried a different university, dropped out, um, got her diploma as a dance teacher. And then, yeah, before she became an adult, the, she wanted to travel around the world and that set her on a course to become a stripper. She walked into a strip club in New Zealand and started stripping. So she told me all about that, how that is, what works, or how it works, what's dangerous, what is normal. And she crashed a lot of kind of pre, what is it called, pre, pre something, preconceived ideas about the industry and, and how people are in this, um, the sex part and the talk part and the money part and, and um, yeah, a lot of, lot of different things. Very, very interesting talk. Amber has a lot of interesting points and obviously has both talked about this and thought about this a lot so I think um, guys you can enjoy this um, and then yeah she told me a little bit about how she connects the comedy and uh, uh, and striptease and burlesque she's putting up shows that in, include all these elements and uh, yeah I think I asked her if she's a feminist and mm, you will hear the answer on the show uh, the sponsors, that's the Oat Bar uh, on Cypher Toa 21 in Shishkov. Um, that's available for takeaway or you can drop in and eat quick, quickly or order on Volt or Bolt. Open during the week from 8 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon and on Fridays until 1.30 and Saturday mornings open as well. Great oatmeal, amazing skier. Uh, everything is made in-house. Um, sugar-free goodies, no nasty ingredients. Great staff, good coffee. Uh, my favorite place. I wonder why. And uh, then it's Alfred Jobs, Alfred.cz. That's a web page and an app where you can find your dream job. Uh, you can set up a profile and a job board so you can f get jobs sent to you. You don't need to search. Nobody knows you're there. You're anonymous. And you can get away from that shitty job that you have today and get a dream job that you'll find on Alfred. That's it. Enjoy, guys. Okay, we are we are live, Amber Eve. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm a bit tired, but yeah. otherwise good. Welcome to my bunker, the blah blah bunker. Thank um, you. Amber Eve. What kind of name is that? It's my artist name. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a combination of my stripper name and something very close to my real name. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And what was the inspiration? I mean like um like how does when you come up with an artist name i mean is it from a book or is it like a um it's it's actually a weird story um the first strip club i ever worked at i went there for my interview and they said yeah you can start tomorrow just bring a bring a stripper name and three outfits and i was walking home and was brainstorming and all of a sudden i thought hmm amber is a good name uh -huh. and it was only a couple of days later when i realized that when I was walking there, there was this place called the Amber Lodge, and mm. I had just seen that sign, so it wasn't intuition at all. I was just sub subconsciously picking up on something that I saw. 
but I think amber amber suits me, so I stuck with it. Amber Lodge, that sounds like uh, England, Australia or something. It was New Zealand, actually. Uh -huh. Okay. So your name is inspired by a... By a hostel. In New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, but I, yeah, so, but you're not, I mean, yeah, I don't know how to say this. You're not just a stripper. You're also a comedian. You do stand-up comedy. You do burlesque. Mm -hmm. You're a dance teacher. Yes. Or certified, or, you know, you have yes. a diploma in dance yes. teaching, right? Yeah, um, I just like consider myself basically an artist and mm. something that evolves around stripping. But yeah, I like that I can make it bigger by doing burlesque and, and comedy and art around it. I write, I can teach people. So mm. I'm very happy that I got to make something out of this whole stripping thing. Mm. But does it work well together? Like, you know, like, because that's actually how I found you. I, I went to a comedy show mm -hmm. on Friday. You were on stage, I liked your jokes, I went to talk to you and asked you if your time is it. I'm only in town for a few more days, so here we are. Here we are. I mean, does it work well together? Like, does one inspire the other? Very much, yeah. Uh -huh. I think the, like, I started comedy because in my town I cannot do a lot of shows. Mm -hmm. So I just went to comedy shows on my free days because that was like the closest thing to showbiz that I could get. And I felt like at some point, okay, I can either keep coming to the shows and become a groupie or I can just go on stage myself and uh -huh. tell some stories. And I feel I feel like I have stories to tell and I want to tell them and I want to educate people on what I'm doing too. So I think doing comedy is a good way of maybe showing people what it's really like to be a stripper and making them laugh at the same time. Mm. Yeah, and actually that was, that was one of the reasons why I... I Wanted. I mean, yeah, I found found it found you to be funny when I saw you. But I also like I like I would like to <laughs> hear a little bit more about how it really is to be a stripper because I think it's one of those jobs which a lot of people talk about, a lot of people have opinions about, but very few people actually know, you know, how it actually works. Yes, people have a lot of ideas of how a stripper should be like, look like. When I tell people that I'm a stripper, they often don't believe me. Because I don't think I look like what you would typically imagine. Mm. You know, I don't have huge boobs or like fake blonde hair or whatever. I, like, there's this cliche image of a stripper mm. that I too had when I first started. Like in my mind, like a strip club was a place like full of these badass goddess women. And yeah, with good lighting, they look like that. But then you see them backstage <laughs> and you realize, oh, they're just human like me. Yeah. But so, so you had those prejudices or like these preconceived ideas yourself? Yeah, I think for me, strippers were never like something negative. I never thought, oh, they're just all sluts. But I think in my mind, they were just like very powerful, like really cool beings. And I think I just wanted to be like that, but always felt like I couldn't mm. until I actually just tried. And yeah. Mm. Mm. Um. How long have you so you've been doing this for a while, right? Yes. Um, I started back in 2015 uh -huh. uh, in New Zealand, as I mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> it was more like a, a dare kind of thing, mm. <laughs> like something that I did to challenge myself. And when I came back to Switzerland, where I currently live, I wanted to keep doing it, but there's no good clubs there. So for a couple of years, I didn't really work in clubs. So I tried to become a burlesque dancer instead because mm. I felt like... Oh, that's that's still kind of like stripping and it's also very artistic and creative. So I think I, I will like that. And so I tried to build that up while also doing my education as a dance teacher at the same time. Mm. But then like three or four years ago, I felt like, okay, I really need 
to go back to a strip club because I miss it. So uh -huh. I'm trying to find clubs. But that's but what what was it that you missed about it? I'm losing my microphone here. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question because I mean, just just with burlesque, you're on stage, and when you're stripping, you're also on stage. But stripping is so much more. Like you often. You okay over there? Yeah, <laughs> just, just screwing it, <laughs> screw, screwing it up. Like I like the hustle. I like mm -hmm. connecting to people in a more personal way. And when you're just doing shows on a big stage, or also like stack parties or bachelor parties, you don't get that. You don't have those personal conversa conversations. You don't take people to the VIP rooms. Mm -hmm. And a lap dance on a big stage is something very different to a lap dance in a VIP room where it's just mm. much more intimate and the vibe is just different. Mm -hmm. And I missed that a lot. So I tried to find a place where I could safely do that. And, you, uh, and, and you're doing it here now in Prague. I mean, you come, you come here for, for short term. Yes. So um, after the pandemic, I felt like, okay, it's time to get back out there and find a club. And my agency represents uh, Hot Peppers in Prague. And I asked them, can you recommend this to me? And she said, yeah. Mm. can apply and I came here in November for the first time and immediately felt like okay this is a good place for me to be in and I tried a few strip clubs over the years and collected some stories but this was the first club where I felt really like okay I feel like I belong here mm. so I try and come back whenever I have some time for like a week or two yeah that's good that's a great compliment for the club yes yeah but it is a great I've been to that club I mean <laughs> it's a, it's actually a really really nice club I think like out of all the clubs that I've been to over the, around the world, it's probably one of the kind of nicest, uh, cleanest in yes. a way, like somehow. Um, but I saw you, you told me that you had been in, you danced in Denmark. And uh, I guess at least the weather here today is kind of the Danish weather. You it's know, like very it's shitty. Horrible. Yes. <laughs> it rained like cats and dogs now Yeah. when you were on the way here. Yeah, I've, I've danced in a lot of places where the weather was shitty. I, I worked in Scotland for a while oh, okay. and it was so cold the whole week. We would just, it was not a busy week and we would just sit around the club and be cold all night. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very miserable. Yeah, I'm wearing my shorts now because my pants got wet. <laughs> just going out here for five minutes is crazy. Um, anyway, so let's go back a little bit. You, you're born in Germany, right? Yes, in Bavaria. Uh-huh. That's like Munich and, and, and that area. Yeah, it's that area. But I'm not from Munich. I'm not from a big city. I come from this very tiny Catholic village somewhere uh -huh. in the south of Bavaria. People okay. are like... I was a very good girl when I grew up. Also very shy. How How was a good girl in Bavaria? Is uh, that going to church or... Yeah, actually, I was one of those... Uh, how do you call them? Like the, the little kids uh, that help the priest uh, like prepare the, all the thingies. Uh-huh. How do you call them? I don't know. <laughs> helpers, little it's yeah. like Santa's little helpers. Yeah, just the, for priest, the priest, little helpers, and I don't want this to sound dirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, for a while, I was really into that. I feel like what attracted me was like really like the spiritual part of it in a way, and I still connect to that in a way. Like I still like going to churches, even though I left church. Like I'm not Catholic anymore, but I still feel like there's something there. That's higher than us. So I mm. still consider myself spiritual. And I think that was, as a kid, maybe that was just that part in me. That mm. Yeah, so so I did that. And I went to ballet when I was five years old. So I did okay, that. so that's and where the dancing comes in. Yeah, I think that really helped once I started working in the clubs, like having that background. Mm. I think that was also maybe why I stuck with it. Because then very fast I felt like, oh, what I'm doing on stage, I think it looks good. 
So very fast, I had this feeling of accomplishment and it was easier for me to learn some pole tricks. And then, mm. of course, it's more fun and you want to keep doing it. Mm. And how, you? so you say, um, are you, is it a big family you're from? Or, or, or was the religion like a big thing or... or, or no, I don't think my parents were like super religious. Mm-hmm. Like we went to church on like maybe every other Sunday when I was growing up. So and they that's didn't, a lot though. I mean, I don't know. It was the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> it was just maybe more of a thing back then too. Mm. But like, I never felt like they imposed something upon me. I think they, mm. they weren't like super religious. Mm. Yeah. Um, I have one sister who's two years older. But like I don't think I have like a huge family, and I'm not super close with them now. I love them very much, but I feel like I just do my own thing now. Mm. But they know what you do. Yes, they know what I do. When I first started, I didn't tell my parents because mm. I knew that they were probably just gonna worry about me because they knew that I was I had struggled a bit when I was younger, and so I felt like oh, if I tell them that I work at a strip club now, maybe they think oh, now she's like fully gone <laughs> off the cliff. <laughs> So I just told him that I work at a club. And then two years later, a newspaper in Switzerland did an interview with me when I did burlesque. And I told my mom about it. And there I told the story of how I like started doing burlesque, which involves a strip club. And I felt like I don't want my mom to learn this by reading the newspaper. I want to actually tell her in person. And so I called her and said, yeah, by the way, I worked as a stripper two years ago. And she was like, oh, that's so cool. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, my mom is a big fan of what I do. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah, she came to a burlesque show once and she loved it. And uh-huh. you know, she sometimes buys me laundry and stuff. It's very cute. Oh, that's yeah. really nice. Yeah, and my dad knows what I do too. And he's like in a cute way, supportive. Like he likes my Facebook page and he follows me on Instagram, which if I think about it for too long, makes me yeah. really uncomfortable. <laughs> but I would never ask him to come to my shows. I think that would make both of us really awkward. Yeah. I feel really awkward. Yeah, I think it must be, that must be one of the most awkward thing for a stripper to to see their dad or their brother or something in the crowd. Right? Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine that going well. I don't know. <laughs> that must be super weird. Yeah. But how, were you, you know, good in school and stuff like that? or, or? Yeah, I was... I was good in school. I was really lazy because I was very bored and I was always like a bit of an outsider and I like just read a lot and then daydreamed all day long. About what? um, So I read a lot of fantasy books like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. And like in like just when I was walking around, I was always in those worlds in my mind. I was like walking through Middle Earth instead of down the street. And I was just a weird kid. Like I was in my own little world. I can still write Elvish. Like that's how nerdy I was. Uh (laughs) And then when I was 14, I discovered that there's something called like highly gifted, like that maybe if you have an IQ that's a bit higher, that might be the explanation of why sometimes you feel weird. (laughs) So I begged my mom to like, have me do an IQ test mm. and we did that and yeah it turns out I had like really high IQ um, which explained a lot for me back then I felt like okay now I finally know why I sometimes feel just different because you don't really fit in then with kids yeah. that are not like yeah that are normal let's exactly. say exactly and maybe that was part of the reason but I don't know if it, if it was like the only reason that I felt different maybe it's just also the way that I was raised mm. because my mom like she never really encouraged me to like hang out with other kids. She was like, yeah, you're special, you're different. So Do your own thing. Yeah, and, and maybe that wasn't always the right thing. You know, maybe I should have learned to like get out of my comfort zone and talk to other kids some more, mm. you know, except uh, stay in my own world. 
And when you find out that you're highly gifted or that you have a high IQ, what happens then? Do you go to a special school or something? Yes, or? actually. Yeah, well, like my parents researched, like, is there some programs that would, like, maybe help her? And they found a school, like a boarding school, that was actually just built that year. So it was, like, all new. It was, like, a bit of an experiment. Mm. And I applied and they took me. And that was, for me, it was a big change because all of a sudden I felt like, oh, there's a lot of other kids that are like me. So... I went there when I was 15 and I think that was the first time in my life where I felt like, okay, this, I'm ha- I have friends now. Like these people are like me and I feel like I can connect with them more. Mm. So that was, that was really good for me. Mm. Yeah. But the school part of it and, and, and to study, I mean, did you, did you have some goals? I mean, did you, I mean, I guess when you were 15, you, you didn't imagine that you would be a stripper or a comedian or a burlesque. Not really. Well, when I was very small, I always wanted to be a writer or a ballerina. Mm. So, so like, maybe the ballerina mm. thing kind of came true. And then you write your, write your material for <laughs> and, comedy? And so. now I'm writing, so maybe it's not that far off. But mm. I think having, like, going to the sporting school um, that was very focused, like, on an academic path didn't like I felt like I don't have a lot of options except go to uni after I finished the school because that's just what everyone did you know Mm -hmm. like everyone was like very like ambitious and and I had people that went to Harvard and Oxford afterwards and I felt like oh I have to do the same thing so I was very focused on being smart and I think I defined myself through that a lot too and I felt like if I'm not smart I'm not worth enough or like I have to this is like the field where I have to accomplish something and so after school, I just went to uni, and uh, we have a word for that in, in German. It's called Verlegenheitsstudium, which means yeah. that you do something just because you feel awkward and you don't yeah, really you know what else to do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's what I did. And so obviously that went wrong. Mm. <laughs> I studied uh, musicology and art history, which is like, what do you do with that? Like, yeah. I had no plan. I just felt like, oh, this is interesting. So after half a year, I left uni because I was really struggling back then. Mm. What were you struggling with? Just to figure out what you wanted to do? Yeah, I think I just, I was still so scared of the world and I had never really learned how to like look after myself like properly and like take responsibility for what I want and step up for myself. And I was very scared of conflict and I was avoiding a lot of things. And so uni was super stressful for me because like then there were deadlines and they expected you Mm. to like write an essay and like create your own structure and be disciplined. And I think for me that was really hard also because I didn't really know what I was doing it for. Yeah, because like when you go to university, uh, uh, for me it was really like jumping in on the deep end because kind of until then... There was always someone holding your hand. You know, exactly. they they actually wanted you to to pass. They wanted you to graduate from exactly. the previous schools. But then university, no one gave a shit. You know, they they didn't do anything for you. Yeah, I think that was that was just hard for me. Like I wow. was like such a little kid still. Like, I was eighteen, and I like I was so scared of everything. So for me, that was kind of like a step too much. Yeah. But will you say that no, con- uh, you're avoiding conflicts and and not taking responsibility is that something that came from your family then or i mean were you overprotected or i'm afraid so yeah i think uh, my mom was very overprotective of me because i mean i can't blame her i think she felt that i was a little bit different so she always felt the need to maybe like protect me from everything but to a certain degree that where it was not healthy anymore and yeah sadly i'd say that my parents didn't really teach me how a conflict can something can be something very healthy sometimes you know how sometimes expressing your anger directly can be a good thing Mm. 
But I think a lot of what they did was like, let it build up inside until it then explodes. So so being angry for me was something very scary. Like it was a feeling that I couldn't really own back then. Mm-hmm. So I just internalized a lot of my anger and had some really unhealthy patterns back then. What, what are unhealthy patterns? Uh, when I was 18, like I was cutting myself and I have really like unhealthy relationships and like I slept with people just because I wanted validation, like all the things mm. you do when you're 18 and troubled, mm. basically. Yeah, well, nobody wanted to sleep with me when I was 18. I really tried. <laughs> I should have maybe tried cutting myself. I don't know. Yeah, it gives you attention, but yeah. that's pretty much all it does. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so you so you drop out of university you're a little bit lost yeah I was very lost like I did I started therapy so like mm. I, I tried to make it better and then I tried some different things like I did like you can do like a social year in Germany where you do you work like in a social institution so I worked at a daycare center mm. for like half a year but that was difficult too because just crying toddlers all day long mm. and as a person who still couldn't really connect with her own anger I think that that was super stressful for me. And then I thought, oh, let's study psychology. So I did an internship at a psychiatric hospital because that was like interesting to me. But then I don't even know how that happened, but I felt like, okay, I've always been creative, maybe design school. And and so I applied for that and it worked and I got in and I did that for almost three years. And it was it was okay, but I just felt like, Again, I was always late on deadlines. Like I found it hard to like really deep dive into some stuff. Like I had some some students that were studying with me and they would always like go on YouTube and like do the tutorials and learn how to like like find the Photoshop hacks and stuff like that. And I was never that ambitious. You know, mm. I would just like push around pixels all day long. And yeah, I mean, working in front of a computer for like 10 hours a day didn't really make me that happy. Mm. But did you know at this time, I mean, you, you felt yourself, okay, something is off here. You're, you, or you thought this was just normal? Um, it you took felt. me a while to admit that to myself because I had already left uni twi- uh, once before. Mm. So I felt like, okay, design, now this has to be it, right? Like now I find my thing. Now mm. design is what I do. So I felt like that's what I t- told myself for mm the better part of two years because I just didn't want to admit to myself that this still wasn't like the right thing. Um, I was working in an advertisement agency in Berlin by the time I had some friends in Switzerland and they were like, you're you're struggling. Maybe you want to talk about it. And so I went, um, I went to Switzerland for a week to like do like a sort of retreat with them for a week. Mm. And we like did some yoga and like consciousness work and then talked about ourselves. And that's when I realized that actually I'm I'm still quite unhappy and not sure what I'm doing here. And that, that I think that marked a big change for me because I realized a lot of things about myself in just one week. And and that's when I decided to move to Switzerland and like work more on that and really figure out what what would make me happy. Mm-hmm. So that that's more like uh going on the inside or like Yes. You're looking in. Yeah, which I think is always more efficient than looking in the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's um, it takes much more courage to look inside than to look outside oh, because outside scary. is so easy, you know. It's so scary mm. because you have to be willing to admit some things to yourself and and like face face some feelings. Like, what if deep down I'm I'm 
I don't know, like I I was really struggling with like not feeling like I'm enough. And I mean, to be honest, I, I'm sure most people have those feelings. Uh, to you some know? extent, yeah, yeah. But just admitting that to yourself and like really letting letting those feelings come to the surface instead of trying to do something to feel better about yourself. That is very scary. But I mm. think once you're like willing to face those fears, you you really grow as a person. But why do you think that is? What where did that come from that you weren't good enough or, or enough? Ooh, that's a deep question. Mm. I don't know. Where does it come from for anyone? Like I mean, it's often from, you know, narcissistic parents or some neglect or, you know, no father in the home. I, you know, that yeah, there are these stereotypical that's situations. That's true. I mean, like, not not to be a huge cliche, but I had huge daddy issues. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if that's part of the reason I became a stripper. I feel like by the time I became a stripper, I was already like... I'd already worked for it a little bit, but yeah, it's true that my dad wasn't around much when I was growing up. Like he was, he was married to my mom. Like he was there, but he just worked a lot. And I think he, he found it hard to like really connect to me and my sister on like a more emotional level. Mm. So I think, yeah, maybe it's that. Like I went through that phase when I did like the work on myself. I was mad at my parents for like a year or two because mm. yeah, you realize, okay, this is where most of my issues come yeah. from. But I feel like you can't stop there. Like you can no, no, because that's a cheap. That's a very cheap yes. way out. Like you have to take responsibility, nonetheless. Mm. Like you can acknowledge that this thing or like these people are responsible for like your unhealthy issues or like your traumas. But and then maybe also confront them with it, and that's what I did. But then you have to like step out of it and be like, okay, what do I do with this now? Like, how do I face life for my own now? Because my parents won't be able to fix that for me. Like I can yell at them all day long, but mm. at the end of the day, I'm. I have to be a grown-up myself. Yeah. yeah, and what and what do we know? What you know? What did your parents go through? What made them like this? You know, they probably this was just the best that they could bring to the table. You know, I think so. And I think once once I confronted them, I realized that they did their best. Mm. You know, because yeah, they had issues too, and they didn't learn certain lessons in their lives. Mm. And all I can do now is and try to do better. Yeah. Um, so we are in Switzerland. You are finding yourself through various methods of like introspective stuff right yes and you're you're living in with a group of people that are kind of on the same path so you're yes. kind of in that environment exactly yeah and i think it was around that time that i felt like okay let's let's find something new and the first thing i did when i moved to switzerland is i worked at a cafe mm. And that was difficult for me because still, as I said earlier, I was so used to defining myself through being smart. So only working at a cafe was difficult for me because I felt like, oh, but like then people won't know that I'm smart. Like how will mm. people know that I'm that I have worth if I only do a, a job where you don't need to be like super smart to do it. So I feel like I, I had to let that go a little bit. And then later when I became a stripper, I think that was even more of a step just out of that. Um, I know that's not the answer to your question, but I'm just realizing mm -hmm. that point now. And I think it's important to say that I have a lot of people say, oh, you're wasting your, your intellect talent, or yeah. you're wasting your talent by just working as a stripper. But I think for me, I had to do something that's so far away from like the academic path that I felt like was expected uh, of me to just free myself of it and now that I've do uh, that I've done that I feel like it's coming back now because now I feel like the drive from within to do something with my brain like mm. write and do comedy and stuff mm. like that but I had to like let it go first and now I feel like it comes back in like a more healthy way 
because mm. now it comes from within and not from outside. But yeah, I was in Switzerland and I felt like, okay, let's, what, what do we do now? Mm. And I applied at a school for, uh, to become a dance teacher. But before that, like I got into the school, but before that I wanted to travel because I'd always wanted to go to New Zealand because of that Lord of the Ring nerdiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I felt like, okay, this is like now I'm ready to face the big and scary world. And so I, I did around the world trip. I went to the US first and um, then Hawaii and Fiji and then to New Zealand to stay there for four months. And then afterwards I would go to Asia. And that was all very exciting. And and since I had already like realized some stuff about myself, like... I, you were just alone. Yes, I was alone. And I remember wow. this moment when I... I arrived at LA airport and I was really scared, but like, you know, ready to like confront my fears and step out of my comfort zone. But I think I looked really scared and tiny because I went to like the passport control Oops. Mm. and uh, there was this big black officer and he looked at my passport and he looked up to me and, and he said, young lady, does your daddy know you're here? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> and he said, well, you take good care of yourself then. <laughs> so uh, You he thought saw, you were a runaway or something. Yeah, he saw that I was like really far from home. Yeah. <laughs> so like the first month of my trip was like, it was very exciting. You know, mm. it was a big adventure. And But once I arrived, uh, I arrived in New Zealand, it, it became less adventurous somehow because... Here's the thing, a lot of Germans go to New Zealand or Australia after they finish school because that's like the thing you do. You do like the work and travel and it's all very exciting. But by that time I had already done the thing where you move to a different country and find a job and stuff. So for me it wasn't that exciting. So I got really frustrated after a couple of weeks. You know, I was driving around New Zealand and it was beautiful. Yeah, it's an amazing and, country. And But like, I couldn't really enjoy myself because I felt like, okay, but like, what do I do now? I need a purpose. You know, I need something that challenges me. So I called my friend back home and I said, what do I do? I need to do something exciting. And, and should I leave New Zealand? Or like, what do I do? And he said, yo, well, why don't you go work at a strip club? And he said that as a joke. And I was like, oh, fuck you. You're like, you know how I struggle with my body image and how like insecure I am still. And like, so I hung up. But then that night I couldn't sleep because that kind of like stuck with me. And so like at night, like I researched strip clubs in New Zealand and was like, oh, what I, what I do? Like maybe, maybe this is something I want to try just like for a challenge. And then I pushed away a little bit, like I waited a week and I still couldn't let, let the idea go. And I tried applying for other jobs and, and nothing worked out. And then someone gave me like this newspaper where you could find jobs. And the one strip club I had researched in the town that I was at had put in like a little text that said, are you looking for a career in this industry, but not sure you have the skills? We can teach you so you can earn while you learn. And it felt like a sign from the universe saying, just do it. Like, just give it a try. So, yeah, I applied and I walked in there and I felt like they're just going to like look at me and ask, what are you doing here? You know, but instead everyone was really nice. And yeah, as I said, I said, you can come back tomorrow, bring a name and three pairs of three outfits and (laughs) you can start. But, but so, but I, so you, I guess, yeah, like in your mind, probably walking in there, you thought, okay, uh, they're going to see immediately that I'm not experienced. I'm, yes. not, I'm not one of those goddesses, powerful goddesses that walks into a strip club and owns the place. Exactly. And I'm still, whenever I go into a new club, I'm still always really intimidated for the first hour. Mm. 
-hmm. Like even when I came to Hot Peppers in Prague and I've been a stripper for many years now, but still I walked in there and I'm like, oh, I don't belong here. Everyone is so much more gorgeous than I. And mm -hmm. like it always takes me a while to just relax a little bit. But that's really interesting because, I mean, <clears throat> I think it must be a job that requires you to either, I don't know, to ignore the insecurities or be super secure. Um, for me, it was it was like a fake it till you make it kind of thing. Mm. You know, on my first day back in New Zealand, I mean, I was really scared. So I had a couple of drinks <laughs> mm. and... Like, it helped that everyone was really nice to me, but like, I had no clue what I was doing. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna pretend like I do. So I stepped on stage and just like did some stuff and some moves and I didn't know what I was doing. And luckily I had the dance background, but I think what I realized in that moment is that if I just connect to that little part in me that, that feels confident... It's like an actor, you know, like if you, if I act like I'm confident, it actually feels like I am. Mm -hmm. And like I can just like channel that part of me and like make it a bit bigger. And then it really works. Like people are buying it. Like even if I have no clue what I'm doing, I can just step into that part of me. Like, yeah, it's like a role, you know, I'm just going to pretend like I'm a confident stripper until I actually am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because... Also, the setting in some way. I mean, like I must, it must kind of um, create this because you know you're on stage, the audience is down, they are admiring you. I mean, it must be in some way empowering. It was so empowering, and mm -hmm. I think that's why that's why I fell in love with this job because I think it was the first time in my life where I felt like, okay, I'm in control. Mm -hmm. Like I make the rules. When I did my first lap dance, I had no idea if I was going to be okay with doing something like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm the type of person, like if I shouldn't think about things for too long, I have just to like get in, just get in there and do it. And then I will know how I feel. But for me, I'm the type of person, it doesn't make sense if I think about it for too long. So I just, I just went for it, you know, like just like, went forward and and I think yeah I realized that when I'm giving a lap dance or something I'm the one who makes the rules I'm the one that that can say no and yes and mm. and the person in front of me has to respect that and I mm. think that was for me such a revelation and yeah also being on stage and realizing hey even if I feel like I ate too much today or something like if I feel beautiful it does not matter at all. Like mm. there's some girls who have bigger boobs or like better bodies or whatever, like be more beautiful faces, nicer hair. But if they move awkwardly or if they are not really 100% committed to what they do, it will not work anyway. No, because you can always spot spot it somehow that something is off, you know, or... or yes. It, it's not... It's, like striptease isn't about boobs and body shape. I mean, it's about... I don't know, a mix of a lot of different things, you know, that has to come together in some harmony that makes it interesting. Yeah, and I think this is what I learned very fast in the strip club is that you don't need the perfect body or the big boobs to make the big money. Mm. Like what you need is is the ability to connect to people either through what you express on stage because if you're really having fun on stage, then the audience will have fun too if they're attentive and not yeah. too drunk. Um And if, if you can talk to people, if you can make sales, it, it doesn't really matter how you look like. Of course, mm. everybody will always have a type. And I think this is also something I learned because uh, people would always tell me that I'm cute and I hated that. 
Mm. I always try to be more. They told you that before you were a stripper, or or like, oh, you're so sweet, you're so cute, and I struggle with that because I wanted to be taken seriously and I Mm. wanted to be cool. So I always tried to be like cool. Um, But once I realized that being cute is also something that some people are really into, Mm. I think I accepted that part of me more and actually used it, you know, to monetize it or like to Mm. like realize, okay, this is the type that I am. And if I try to change it too much, it's actually going to hurt me, you know? Mm. Um, How how did you feel after that first night in New Zealand? I mean, did you feel successful? I mean, or, or... Yeah. I mm. mean uh, you made a lot of money there or like was no, it good? It was a Sunday night. So uh-huh. it was it was slow. I think they did a good job on like putting me on on a Sunday night like for the, the first time. Like the graveyard shift. Yeah, I mean Sundays can be good, but uh-huh. I think if they had put me on on a Saturday I would have been so overwhelmed. So uh, it was a very good club. It was a very nice club. They had good security. So I felt very safe and after my first lap dance like the security guy came to me and was like, "Are you okay? How are you feeling?" Uh-huh. And and so like I, like I think I went on stage twice. I had two lap dances like and like those club uh, this club that I worked at it does uh, touching lap dances, which mean which means that clients can touch you anywhere mm. except between the legs. And yeah, when I first did that, I didn't know how I was going to feel about that because mm. I had no idea. Turns out it was fine. Like turns out that I actually liked like the interaction with someone. I felt like it was actually easier to connect. So this was like all new for me and and yeah, I made some money. Like when you're new as a stripper, you often get a bit lucky. I don't know what it is. I think you just have that new energy <laughs> where mm. you're not tired of everybody's bullshit yet. <laughs> so, yeah. But you talk about this, like, um, you mentioned the security and, and, and this. I mean, it's a, it's a job that primarily takes place during the night. Yes. Um, it's long hours. Uh, it's a lot of work. I mean, you need to go on stage. I mean, I don't know. The shift can be eight, eight, seven, eight, nine hours. Yeah, sometimes even longer. Yeah, and you go on stage probably like every hour. Um, it really depends on the club. So here at Hot Peppers, I go on stage maybe three or four times a night, mm-hmm. depending on how many girls are working. And when I was working in Zurich or also like Scotland, you didn't go on stage as much because also the club didn't get as busy. And then it really depends on the club. Like sometimes you only do one song, sometimes you're on stage for 15 minutes. So it, it really depends on the club, how much you go on stage and like how busy it gets. Mm-hmm. And busy nights can be just as tiring as very slow nights. Mm. But then, so I, I guess, like, the way to make money is to get tip, tips when you're on stage. Yes. Uh, and then you have the private dance, like yes. the lap dance, that's in a separate room, right? Yes. And what else is there? I mean, how, how can you make money? Um, basically, you make sales in a strip club. And again, this really depends on the club. Um, the way it works here, for example, is that, yeah, you can make tips when you're on stage and you can um, you get a cut of when you sell champagne or like someone buys you like a bottle or something. Or you do lap dances, of course, or like you go into the VIP room, which is like basically a one hour lap dance or just more like chill than just a short lap dance. Mm. So, um, yeah, if people don't don't make sales, you don't make any money. And a lot of people assume that you get paid just for being there. But, for example, in the USA or also New Zealand, if you're working at a club, you have to pay to work there. You pay a house fee, which is up to $100 per night. 
So if you don't make any money, you actually lose money, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people aren't aware of. Mm. And whereas in Switzerland, if you work at a club and um, I'm using the word strip club for Switzerland when it's more like champagne bars because it's not so much about entertainment, but more about people like looking for conversation or connection. And there you get paid to be there. Like you get a small base fee and then you get just commission of mm-hmm. the champagne sales that you make, mm. which is maybe a bit safer, but also you get less commission than you would maybe if there wasn't a base fee. Safer in the sense that you you, you don't lose money. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Because you have that base fee. You yeah. Mean, yeah, yeah. Th- yeah. You mean safer income. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not safer. In yeah, other safer ways. from a safer. <laughs> yeah, but um, um, but these like these private shows, like so, or lap dances. So, how does that work here? Is that with touch here, for example? Um. Yeah, you can do both here. You uh-huh. can do touching lap dances or non-touching lap dances. And I mean, what happens in a lap dance for me really depends on the client. You yeah. know, some some people, I just know they want to be entertained a bit. So like I do some cool moves. I do like hands down on them and they're like, oh, this is so cool. And then some guys, you know, they just want more intimacy. So mm. you move a bit slower and like you take your time to establish a connection and then, like, sometimes guys want to be choked or something, and I'm always really happy to do that, especially when I'm having an angry day. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but, but is it like, it never, you never push to do something you're not comfortable with? I don't feel pushed, no. no. But also, it depends on the clubs, you know. Some clubs will make you feel really bad when you're not making money, and this is why I like working at Hot Peppers, because I feel like it's, it's okay if I just take a break for like half an hour just like sit there and watch the girls on stage for a little while because it's basically it's on me if I'm not making money mm. like I don't feel as much pressure to like always be hustling or like always talk to everyone because well maybe I don't want to talk to certain mm. people because it's, uh, it's just not my type of person or they really annoying <laughs> or really drunk but how does that work like you know because you say not your type of person I mean do you I don't know do you <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite type of, of client? Um, well, well, the We're cliche, talking always like yeah, guys here, yeah. but there are girls also, right? Yeah, girls can be really good clients too. So well, like the first misconception is, um, especially girls do that. Uh, when I tell people I'm a stripper, they're like, ooh, then you have to like dance for really uh, like disgusting people. Mm. And I was like, I, I don't have to do anything, you know, because usually you're the one approaching a client. It's very rarely the other way around. Like if that happens, that's great. Like if someone comes to you and be like, can you give me a lap Uh dance? Then that's like the best case because then I don't have to hustle for it. But usually you need to like really talk someone's ear off to sell them a lap dance because like people don't just sit there and be like, oh, I'm in the mood to spend 200 euros, you know? (laughs) Like they just, they have to be convinced a little bit. And Mm. I think guys also like to be in that position sometimes. Because be I think, yeah, a lot of guys they're they're used to like to uh, they're used to getting turned down by girls. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of guys enjoy that position of power that they're all like suddenly in because now they're the ones saying no, maybe later. Mm-hmm. If you're the one who wants something from them, and I think the worst type of client is the person who enjoys that way too much and, co- and drags it out. And they're like, oh, work for it, you know. And I'm like, I am. Like, can you not I'm be here. an asshole, please? I'm here. Yeah, so I think good clients are the ones who, who go to the strip club, like, knowing that they're going to spend a little money and they don't have to give me all their money, which, of course, would be great, but, like, just the person who's like, yeah, 
getting a dance or like I don't wait half an hour to buy you a drink, you know, just like some some common sense. You're in a strip club, spend mm-hmm. some money, tip me for my time. But I guess you have this these personalities and everything. I mean, you have, you can see it in a cafe. You can see someone who comes in at nine in the morning with mm-hmm. their laptop, buys a latte and he's still drinking that fucking latte at 12. Yeah, sitting in that cafe, you know. <laughs> I mean, and I, and when I've been in those clubs, you have a lot of those guys that are are sitting, just sitting and watching by the stage, and they don't even tip. Yeah, we love those people. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you that. talk to them and they're like, "Oh, but I want you meet. I want to take you out of the club." And just like I hate those nights where you have to explain to everyone how no, they can't take you to their hotel room and the strip club is not the girlfriend store and <laughs> girlfriend store. Uh, it's it can be very exhausting yeah but but you get a lot of these proposals i get i mean I, yeah i mean a lot but probably you have a guy falling in love with you like almost every night um if they fall in love with, with me that's cool mm. i like those guys because then there's usually good connection there and like i i fall in love with people for an hour or two sometimes like mm. i feel like I'm i'm quite open to to like emotional connection and for me, that that is cool, but uh, like wanting to fuck someone and <laughs> falling in love with someone are two very different things. And a lot of people just want one of those two, mm-hmm. and those are like the exhausting nights where that like sometimes at, like four a.m. you get all these people who just they partied, they're horny now, they want something more than just a lap dance, and then you just walk around the club and everyone's like, no, but I want to do more than just a lap dance. But then they're in the wrong club because they, you don't get that in hot peppers. Yeah. I, I, know, I know that. I mean, I know that comparing the other clubs here, it's a very <laughs> different club. Yeah, I always start, I try when I'm in a good mood. I try and have fun with that a little bit. I'm like, mm. you look like a smart guy. What do you think happens here? Like, this is a strip club. Mm. <laughs> do you really? Are you serious? Or like sometimes when I'm more annoyed, I pretend that I just don't understand them. Mm. They're like, I want to fuck you. And I'm like, you want what? And they're like, fuck you. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And I just do that until it becomes really uncomfortable for them and they have to walk away. <laughs> it's a bit passive aggressive, but sometimes that's all you can do. But how, because there are there are clubs here in Prague also that are, are where I would say you have three different types of services available. You have, or let's say, um, three types of girls. There are the girls that dance on stage and they do nothing else than dancing on stage. And then there are girls that dance on stage and go to private shows, and then there are girls that go only to private shows, and then they will have sex. Isn't that confusing? Like for someone like you, who is, is you're a stripper, you want to do the lap dance, you want to do that connection, but you don't want to do the the sex part. Um, I wouldn't say it's that confusing for me, but it's very confusing for clients uh-huh. <laughs> because I don't like working at these clubs. And the problem for me, for example, in Switzerland is that you have these clubs who are more like champagne bars and often clients can have more than just lap dances there. So that's the reason I don't really work in clubs in Switzerland anymore because it's very hard to make that distinction. And And first of all, it creates a shady image for the club. Mm-hmm. And then it also attracts those kind of clients who expect more than just a conversation and some intimacy. Mm. And for someone like me who who doesn't do like full service sex work, I just do lap dances. And as I say, I sell little bubbles of intimacy, but there is no sex. Um, it's it's very hard to work in those clubs. Like I, I fully respect women who do that. I have friends who like do more than just stripping, and it's fine. But for me, it's something that I don't want to do. Mm. So why wouldn't you want to do that? 
Um, for me, like being horny is something I can't just turn on. Mm-hmm. Like I like to say, if someone gives me enough money to make me horny, maybe it will happen. But so far, it just hasn't. I mm-hmm. don't know. So far, no one has set a number that made me wet. Mm. And and for me, like being horny is like the only reason to have sex. Like mm. that and having a, like emotional connection with someone. And I don't think I'd be able to turn that on just as a service. Mm. But those women who do, I mean, I'm just out of curiosity, like, do you look at them differently or, 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 I mean, do you see them as victims? Because they are very often portrayed as victims. Yeah, and I hate that. Mm. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, I, I know mostly strippers. And, and honestly, I've never met a stripper that I felt like was being forced to do their job. Mm. So whenever clients think that, oh, we all must our hate our jobs or be really miserable, it makes me a bit angry because I feel like, at least in strip clubs, I feel like you don't have that many women... Like, I mean, for some women, it's maybe more of a job than like a passion in life. And I have to fully respect that because mm. I don't look down on the cashier in the supermarket because she's not passionate about her job. Like, what sort of double standard is that? But I get mm. that people have that because as a stripper, you want to sell fun, right? And if people don't believe that you're actually having fun, it's harder, you know? So maybe they have to believe that you like working there. Mm. but I don't know I hate it when people come to the club and they're like oh this must be so degrading and how does it feel to put a price on your body and like you're the one coming here like for the service like if you think it's so degrading and stay away why did you come to the club because then you're part of the problem you think exists Mm. Mm. but because I think like you know you often hear in this this discussion you hear about this uh, that you know the happy hooker doesn't exist or you know whatever or um, you know, no one can be happy working in the sex industry, whatever mm-hmm. part of the sex industry they're in. But I haven't found anyone happy in a coal mine. Yeah, that's... Still yeah. we mine coal. Exactly. And that's also like, you use your body, it's physical labor, mm. you know, just as stripping is. Mm. People just make a weird distinction there. But yeah, I know happy hookers, but of course, like, we cannot ignore that there's a there's a problem involved like around sex trafficking and this is like a thing yeah, yeah, that yeah, exists yeah, and yeah. I have to acknowledge that. But I I don't feel like I'm the best person to talk about that because I don't work in that industry and I don't know people that I feel like are being victims. So mm. I feel, I don't want to make assumptions there. I don't feel like, I don't mm. feel confident talking about that because I feel like I, I'm, I'm not, how do you say that? I don't feel entitled to mm-hmm. to say anything about that. Mm. But it's interesting, like here, for example, when I moved here to Prague, it was uh, yeah 13 years ago, and then um, I, I, I got, yeah, because I come from Scandinavia where everybody thinks that it's just unicorns and pink farts, you know? <laughs> and uh, so obviously I, I kind of grew up around very judgmental opinions um, of industries like striptease and stuff like that and then when i came here uh, and i realized and i started you know kind of no i came here for business and i started looking at just the salaries that my own company was paying some of our staff that were not like super educated or or something then i was like okay i can easily understand and then i went to a strip club here and i could see what was going on there a lot of people spending money and and the girls were having you know good times you know so it kind of made me realize, okay, that, well, it's a very viable option here yeah. to actually choose that career path. And what I found very refreshing and very positive was that 
no one that I spoke to in this was ashamed. Yeah. And it wasn't a shameful. They, their family knew. They had boyfriends. They had husbands. Yes. And there was nothing wrong with it. It was just an accepted line of business, let's yes. say, or a career path. Yeah, I like that. Mm. I like that a lot. I don't know, this, this money thing... I always say to people, if I if I was in this for the money, I would probably make more money working at an office in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Because people always think, oh, you must make so much money as a stripper and this is like the only reason you do it. But like, as I said, I have a good education, so I could probably make more money just, you know, do like administrative or, yeah, work or, or like, dance yeah. Teaching or um, dance teaching can be difficult, but yeah, um, so for me, it's really like, it, it is a passion, but, you know, I live in a one-bedroom apartment in Switzerland. Like, I don't live in luxury because mm. also I try not to make compromises for money. Like, this is something I think in the industry can be very tempting as well. I think I was lucky that when I first started stripping, I didn't do it for the money. I did it for the challenge. And I think that saved me a little bit from, let's say, going down that road. Because mm. if you're doing it for the money, then you're way more tempted to also make compromises for the money. And I've been in situations working at clubs where I didn't make a lot of money and then there's this client who like offers you a lot of money for something that's maybe out of your comfort zone and mm -hmm. you're very tempted to do it. Or like you make compromises, you know, you sit with people that you don't you don't like that make you feel shitty just because you get money for it. And I think over the years I've been in enough of these situations to learn that it's usually not worth it. Mm. Like sometimes it's better to... to pass on that opportunity and not make money and then very often half an hour later a better opportunity will walk into the door and if you had sat with that uncomfortable situation just for the money you wouldn't have been open to it mm. or it would have cost you so much energy that afterwards you you're not happy anymore or you're not able to do your job because you're just drained mm. but i think there's, it can be tempting to do that, and I understand that a lot of girls maybe do make compromises just for the money, and mm. it's, it's it's a I choice mean, every, you make. Everyone has a price in the end. Yeah. I mean, I, I would probably have a price, you know. And yeah, and I lo know a lot of people who, mm. who don't like their job, mm. and they just do it for the money, and they're very unhappy, and they tell me, oh, I admire you have all the freedom, and you're this free spirit, and I'm like, yeah, but also have no financial security whatsoever. Mm. So it's it's a price I pay I pay as well. Mm. You want some more coffee or you want a beer? Um, maybe another coffee. Okay, we'll just pause then. Yeah, good coffee. Yes, <laughs> very good coffee. Icelandic water, black coffee. No, more coffee with milk and sugar. Yes. Um, are you a feminist? I'd say so, yeah. Mm. Um, people think being a stripper and a feminist doesn't really go together. But as I said, I feel like there's just something very powerful and in expressing your femininity, your sensuality openly and also charging people to be part of that. Mm. And and as I said, I never feel forced to do anything. I make my own rules. And I think a lot of a lot of women actually find that hard, like to to really be aware of their own boundaries and, and then you can blame someone else for not respecting your boundaries, but have you actually communicated them to them? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I feel like there's this concept that in every woman there's a, a saint and a whore mm. and that saint part, it's very accepted in our society, like being the good woman and 
like there's something very true to that and I think I was I was very much like that when I was younger but there's also a part in every woman and maybe it depends on it's not as big in every woman but I feel like there's this part who who's wild and uh, you know just like wants to seduce men and mm -hmm. it's like a bit devilish and I feel like it's important as a woman to own up to both parts and it doesn't mean that you have to be a whore <laughs> to, to just live that part mm -hmm. but I see a lot of women that are just not comfortable with that side of themselves and then maybe that side comes out when they get really drunk or you know they have moments where you feel like you should just accept that part a little more just like become aware of that you are both but mm -hmm. I think and it's okay to be both yes but I think if if you don't acknowledge that it's there you get very threatened when there's a woman who represents that part mm. like a lot of women feel maybe threatened by it i see women coming into the club with their boyfriends and then then maybe they they want to be cool or whatever so they buy their boyfriend a lap dance with you but then they're actually not cool with it so they have to find a way to to feel more powerful so a lot of women at the strip club will actually treat me like shit mm -hmm. because they They feel intimidated, so they feel like they have to be bitches to you. Protect you know? their turf. Yeah, so I've, I've actually had more boundaries crossed by women in strip clubs than by men. Because usually men are just like happy that there's some boobs in their face, you know. Uh -huh. they're, they're usually quite respectful. And I guess, as I said, it also depends on how well you communicate the rules to them. But women often feel like they can get away with more just because they're women. Mm -hmm. But also like with let's say with the good kind of women who are actually like appreciative of what I do. I've had some very good moments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's uh, dancing for women is, is different than for a man because I feel like it's much less about the sexual part than just the sensual part of it. Uh -huh. So with women, I feel I can also like let go a bit more because uh -huh. I know they, they just, it's just a different energy that you're with. I feel like there's, it's a different kind We of We just want to wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> great. But 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 do you feel like um, from a societal point of view, are are women are women more just mental of this then, or or men, or I mean, like I don't know, if you came into a room with with a man and a woman and you said I'm a stripper, who, would would they equally react, or or do you know what I mean? Oh, I find it hard to make like a general assumption about mm. that. But so I you don't see like a trend. Um, I mean, men might more often be like, oh well, that's so cool, and and women might be more like what but mm -hmm. <laughs> how's that like but then also you get these women at the club who who like you go on stage and they yell yes queen and that's very empowering but then they don't pay you at all they mm -hmm. do not tip so you get these women too who are like they're very interested in your job like they ask you a lot of questions and they're like don't you feel objectified and i'm always like no and like if you pay me we'll, we're good Mm. But then I've had a lot of women at the clubs interview me for half an hour and then not tip me for my time. Mm -hmm. So they don't seem to be aware of like how this works. Mm. Yeah. But I guess you see, like talking about that, um, the non-tippers and the non-spenders, I mean, um, and you mentioned it earlier, the guys that sit by the stage and tell you, no, no, I just want to meet you outside the club or whatever. But do you, do you spot this? Do you learn this immediately? I mean, I don't know. Can you... Can you walk into a or into a club and and the guys are sitting? Can you, I don't know. Can you smell it? Okay, the guys in the third row are never going to spend money. Is, mm. are, are there some telltales? I try not to make 
too many assumptions because in the end if you don't try you won't you won't really know and sometimes guys will really surprise you like mm. sometimes i walk to someone with no expectations like the only reason i go there is because there's no one else to go to mm. and then they surprise you and you're like yeah well let's go to vip for an hour and i'm like what but i mean sometimes you can spot it yeah but i wouldn't so say so there isn't like a, you would never i don't know if you see a group of five guys and you'd say okay i can forget it they're just drinking or whatever you know i, what mean, I mean sometimes when there's like a group of five really young guys coming into club you can assume that they're probably not gonna spend that much money but then you never know maybe their dads are really rich you know <laughs> yeah but do you, <laughs> you see it anything on the clothes like the shoes or something I think a lot of people in sales will tell you that you can't really spot people by the way they dress. Mm. And uh, yeah, like maybe looking at someone's watch will will give you some clues. But mm. again, I feel like it's it's better to not make too many assumptions. Like I'm, I'm that type of person. What I do, what I like to do is I approach single guys who are like a little bit older because I know that those are usually the kind of people that react well to me. And because I like those guys too. And mm. usually... Um, I'm I'm the type of stripper who who is good at making conversation, so usually I try and approach these people more. Mm. But um, talking about that, like so, I guess when you when you approach these people and you or these guys and you go into private dance or in the VIP room, um, what 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 I learned, I mean, I mean I've been on the customer side in this business a lot, <laughs> uh, and I have. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of good times and a lot of good memories that have happened in strip club because it was for me it was always about party. It was never I never saw it as a sexual stimulation somehow. Mm-hmm. It wasn't I don't know, I just and I think it's because I told you actually before we started recording, I kind of started going to strip clubs in Iceland because those were the only places open after <laughs> three. So I kind of came in as you said, you didn't come into the industry for money. I didn't come into <laughs> as a client for yes. sex. You know, I came there for fun. Yeah. So I it kind of stayed like that. Um, whatever people, you know, a lot of people don't believe that. But uh, but it sounds like you were a good customer because I have often people complain that they're not having fun at the club, and I always tell them if you haven't, if you don't have fun at the strip club, it's probably because you haven't spent any money. Yeah, <laughs> I I and I for me it was just so obvious that it's a place where you have to spend money because they you know like you you I I can't go to a restaurant. Says no, I'm here to read. Exactly. Yeah, I have this comedy bit where I say like I don't. I have these people who are like, oh, I can get this for free outside of the club. But again, I don't go to a restaurant and say, oh, I don't want to pay for this because yeah. at home my mom cooks for me for yeah. free. You know? Yeah, exactly. But but I guess, and yeah, so the point that I was coming to is 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 the conversation because um, a lot of the times that I've been in, in the VIP rooms or in lap dances, it's, it's, it's actually just jokes and fun and talks. Yes. So I guess you hear a lot. I mean, like you, <laughs> and 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 the customers that you spend longer time with and repeatedly meet, they somehow start sharing with you yes. intimate stuff, right? I love that. Mm. I, I love creating a space where people can feel like they can open up and and go deeper. Mm. You know, it's it's a bit like therapy, you know, but yeah. um, but naked. <laughs> <laughs> naked therapy, but but is that like um, but is it difficult? I mean, it does it. Because, um, I don't know, if someone comes to you and, and someone that is not necessarily your friend I and think not a family, but and they dump on you a lot of personal stuff? I think if they actually feel comfortable to open up like that, it's not difficult at all. I think for me, the ones who don't give you anything are way more difficult. But if if someone is that confident with me, or like comfortable with me to like open up and share personal things... 
I, I, I don't think that's, that's difficult. That's actually the easiest you can have because then you can just listen to them and then mm. like maybe open up your little, like open up your heart, like create a little bubble where they can share. And I think those are actually my favorite kind of clients that, mm. I mean, yeah, maybe they will tell you really weird things, but like, who am I to judge? I'm the stripper, you know, I get naked um. for money. So you can tell me all your fantasies or whatever, like, Unless it's like really problematic, you know. But a lot of, uh, but I guess a lot of these talks are not are not sex related at all. I mean, these are more like, oh, my wife or my girlfriend or I'm lonely or whatever. You yeah, know? yeah. Often it's like that. I mean, I try not remind people too much of their wives and girlfriends when they're at the club Why is because that? usually they're there to forget about that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if if you're like spending a lot of time with someone and they feel comfortable sharing, then mm. I'm not gonna change the topic but it's not talk. like yeah but it's not what i'm maybe after is that are guys coming in there to explain their sexual fantasies or isn't it more life that they're talking about or how it really depends uh-huh. yeah um what i get a lot is like people often want me to tell them all my dreams and goals because there's i think people always want to hear that as a stripper you have ambition and uh, one time I was sitting with this guy and, and he was like, so what are your hopes and dreams? Because that's what they want to hear, right? And uh, ha- luckily I was happy to like deliver, you know, because I have a lot of hopes and dreams. So after five minutes I was finished and I said, and you? And he said, well, well, I'm going to finish my bachelor next year. And that was that. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was, no further plans. Those were his hopes and dreams. And I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks you for the switch, talk. Switch, switch jobs maybe. Hmm? You should have switched. Yeah, roles. exactly. But those are the guys who like judge you for only doing doing stripping. You know. Have you had? Have you have you bought yourself a lap dance? Um, someone has bought me a lap dance before. Mm-hmm. So I've only had like two or three real lap dances in my life. Um, one, the first one was on my very first day of work because they had one of the girls give me a lap dance just so I kind of knew what was going how on. that was going yeah. on and it was like she she did it very half-heartedly which I mean I can't blame her for it she was just like oh I do a little bit of this and then a little bit of this and then and then I take my bra off and then I do this and I was like oh okay interesting so you take your clothes off okay because I had no idea like I didn't know what a lap dance was when I first started <laughs> and then a couple of years ago I was um, working in Paris on, on my one day off um I went to the other strip club in town and the guy I was on a date with, he bought me a lap dance and it was magical. I yeah. still, yeah, I still cherish that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, this is a hard job. I mean, like you, you need to, yeah, as we said earlier, it's long hours, it's during the night. Um, you need thick skin. Yeah, yeah. And you, but, and then, then there's alcohol and you need to drink. I mean, that, that that's part of the job. I mean, people yeah. buy you drinks and yeah. there's party and, you know, and, and sometimes you actually, you just even might want to drink yeah, to kind of get into the mood. Oh, yeah, there's nights where I'm like, okay, really, yeah. <laughs> I really hope someone buys me a drink because, yeah. But doesn't it wear you out somehow? I mean, isn't it... Uh, um, yeah, that's why I, like, I'm not the type of stripper who gets drunk a lot. Like, as I said, when I first started, I, I, I had a couple of drinks on my first day, but very quickly I realized, okay, I need to figure out if I can do this job sober as well, mm-hmm. because otherwise I'm never going to know if I may be crossing some lines that are actually not okay for myself. And it makes me a bit sad when I have coworkers and I know they need a couple of drinks because it just makes you more confident. Like it's easier yeah. to approach people yeah. when you just don't think about it too much. But I'm the type of stripper who usually doesn't get drunk at work, mm. like if I can avoid it. Like mm. I like to have a drunk drink or two sometimes, but 
I'm I'm very glad at the club I'm working at now I don't have to drink every night, which mm. really helps because I'm I'm a passionate dancer, so I like to work out every day and so like it takes a toll on you if you drink mm. every night. And of course working in Zurich you're around drugs as well. Like there's a lot of coke in Zurich. Mm. Um so it's a miracle that I still never have tried it in my life. <laughs> because I always feel like yeah, you know That's what? the Catholic, that's the saint part. Yeah, there's there's two reasons. Uh, first of all, like when I get offered drugs at work, I always feel like, you know what, I'm at work. I If I'm going to try this for the first time, I don't want to be at work, you know, because I don't feel safe, mm-hmm. yeah, basically. And, yeah, and you and don't yeah, know who is offering you. Yeah, or, or and, and the other reason is I, I'm a control freak. I'm just really scared of losing control. And with alcohol, I kind of know what it does to me, but with other substances, I just... I don't know. Like I don't know what it's going to do to me and I don't like the idea of of experiencing something that's that's not great and not being in control of it especially when I'm at work. Mm. And I feel like I, I have this when I'm at work I feel in control mm. and that's like my default mode and that leads to another topic that if I meet someone at the club at the club that I like mm. I'm never myself 100% sure of do I really like them that much or am I just in my work persona where I'm just really open to people? So whenever I met someone at the club that I kind of liked, I would never meet them afterwards. Mm. But maybe I was like, okay, let's meet for coffee the next day because when I'm not working, then I'm out of that mindset yeah, yeah. and then you I can actually yeah. assess the assess the situation again and actually like take a look. Okay, do I still like them or was it just me being a good stripper last night, basically. Mm. So even I sometimes don't know, uh, am I, because I just, I, I don't fully let go when I'm at work, which I think is a good thing. Mm. I feel like keeps me, keeps me safe. And it's the reason I don't get drained so much from my job because there's a line that I draw mm. no matter what. But these, um, <coughs> um, these things like being around Man, seeing, I mean, I, I guess there's an equal amount of jerks as there are good guys in this, like everywhere else. I mean, um, yeah, and, and even good guys are jerks sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> has it changed your view on men? Um, I think it just gave me a better view because it gave me more perspectives than I had before. In what way? Um, how do I say that? I mean, like one thing that I realized, <laughs> it's surprising that it took me that long to realize that if a guy is really horny, he literally loses his mind. Like he can't think clearly anymore. And I think as a woman, you don't have it that w- the same. It's not the same as a woman. Like when you get horny as a woman, you can still make decisions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I think it took me a long time to realize that, I'm not. I'm not saying always, but very often, like it really... It's it's just a way it's way harder for a guy to still make the right decision once he's really horny. And this is something I learned at the club. And it's something that a lot of strippers use to manipulate guys, you know. And I'm not saying I'm not using it at all, but it's just something that I think I wasn't really aware of before I started working. That man there. can lose the but control. Yeah, that there's this point where, where they really can't think clearly anymore. Mm. Mm. But I don't know. I always try and, and find connection with people. So I always try and find the thing that I can connect with and that I like about them because, yeah, even good guys are jerks sometimes, but also even jerks are can be good. Just vulnerable inside, you know. Mm. I see these guys walking into the club in groups and you can see how they're trying to look cool, which which means deep down maybe they're also insecure. So if you can connect with them a little bit and make them open up, there there's your chance. 
Mm. So I try not to lose respect for people because I think that will probably make me resent my job too. So I always mm. try and... Because I want to be respected too. So I try not to see... I, I try not to, to lose that perspective where you see someone as a human being mm. who just like wants the same thing like everyone else. Like they want intimacy, connection... I think people think they want sex often when they want something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that uh, often, unfortunately, I think often when, when more men come together somehow, <clears throat> they kind of amplify up uh, in each other. Yeah, that makes so- sense. Something that isn't necessarily what, they stand for you know yeah and i mean it goes both way, ways you know uh, you can use that but it can also work against you at the club you know like when there's a group of people and you you manage to convince one of the guys to get a lap dance often mm. it's easier to convince one of the others afterwards too because mm-hmm. then their friend already did yeah. it but if none of them wants to then it's harder to like yeah separate one from the group mm. from the herd <laughs> so that's why i also maybe like single guys more sometimes or couples but would you trust your boyfriend? I mean, I don't know. Do you have a boyfriend? No. Um, but if you had, would you trust him? I think I would because mm. I feel like he would be able to trust me just as much. Mm. Because this is what I always told my when I had a boyfriend. I think I, w- I would always tell them I, I draw that line. You know, even if I'm, even if I don't have a boyfriend, I draw that line. You know, it's for me. It's work. And if I meet someone at the club again, I don't, I don't pursue that while I'm at work. Mm. And if I have a boyfriend, then I don't pursue that at all. And if I don't have a boyfriend, then I pursue that outside of work. So for me, it's I sell intimacy, but it doesn't mean that I still come home to you, you know, because mm. you're the person that I choose to share certain things with. Mm. But is it, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, um, is it hard for men to accept your job? Um, when they're your boyfriends, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I have some times where I get a bit frustrated, but I feel like a lot of guys are like really intrigued by the fact that I'm a stripper mm. and they want to get to know me. And uh, But then once they actually get to know me, they, they get scared, they get intimidated. And maybe one, I, I'm quite confident, so maybe that's scary for some guys. And then mm. like maybe the idea of dating a stripper is better than the reality of it, you know? I think you have to be quite confident yourself to just not get jealous. I think that's what jealousy is. Like mm. just you not trusting that you yourself are good enough for this person. Like like if someone gets jealous, like if I had a boyfriend and he would get jealous of me doing this job, that means that he wouldn't trust that I like him enough mm. to just go back to him, even though I have all these opportunities at work. And I even feel like I don't have more opportunities to meet someone at work than if I went to a bar for fun. Mm. It could just as well happen there. So yeah, at least in in a, in a club like uh, in a strip club, you are at least in an environment where there are certain rules of engagement exactly. and security and That's stuff. That's what I always think. Like it's mm. actually safer in the club mm. because there's certain boundaries that are surely not gonna cross there. Yeah, but they would always check on you if anything. I mean, if you're gone longer than five minutes or something, you yeah. know, they. they People ch- I mean, exactly. it's, it's, a, it's a very safe environment, actually. Yeah, it's also, like, it always puts me off when someone's like, oh, I can't get a lap dance, I have a girlfriend. I'm like, I, I don't care if you have a girlfriend, I just want to rub my butt in your face. Like, mm. what does that have to do with anything? Mm. <laughs> it's just a little, it's it's like a roller coaster ride you go on, you know? there's You you <laughs> land on the same point where you started, but you just had some, like... Fun in between. Like, yeah, some excitement in between. Mm. 
But if that threatens your relationship, then oof, okay. Yeah, but then yeah, then maybe that relationship isn't very strong. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> um, but the the money in this, I mean, I know I know the money can be up and down, and mm-hmm. it depends on on you know months and tourism no. and whatever. January blah, blah, blah. is yeah. the worst month. Yeah, but <laughs> but does it does it somehow change your approach in a way? Like because um, I had this girl here in a previous episode, uh, and she she felt undervalued by men in a, in a sense that they wanted her or desired her, but they weren't ready to even take her for dinner, or you know, or, or she didn't feel that they put in any effort, and and then so she decided to you know she said okay everybody wants to fuck me I'm not just gonna let them pay for fucking me, and she went to the highest possible yeah well yeah high class. Mm-hmm. Um, Escort and um, and she and that made me think like okay if if you've always been around men that are willing to spend money on you could you be with a poor guy? Oh, I surely could. Mm. I think for me it matters more that like, does this person have a vision in life because I think what more than f- finishing finishing the bachelor. Yeah, degree. Um, well, I think what broke of my last relationship was actually that I'm very passionate about my job. Like this is this is my life, you know, and, and a lot of what I do is, is connected to it. So I'm very dedicated to it and I will pretty much always put it first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I kind of need a guy who feels the same way about something in his life because otherwise it just, I don't feel like it's even, you know, when I'm, when I'm not working, I don't want to be in control. I don't want to make the decisions. I just want to relax and like be like the more feminine part Mm -hmm. that just surrenders and lets go and, and if I have a guy who doesn't really know what, what he wants in life, then that's actually really yeah. hard. So it's actually part of the reason that, that I broke off my last relationship. Mm-hmm. But I also noticed when I'm dating, so I'm using dating apps sometimes. Mm-hmm. And for a while, like when I first like started using Tinder, I was like, yeah, okay, sure. I'll like meet you for a coffee without like a long conversation beforehand. But then I ended up having a lot of dates where I just like ended up talking to a guy for two hours. And by the end feeling like, okay, this was basically what i do at work instead but except that i don't get paid for it mm-hmm. because i didn't get anything out of it there was like no real connection there was no good sex or anything it just felt like okay this is i did the same thing at work the day before but there i got paid for it mm-hmm. so it maybe changed uh, my perspective of it my perspective in the way that how you if, spend your time yeah if, if you want me to go on a date with you i need to know that there's bit of a baseline like there's a bit of a connection because i'm just not willing to take that risk for free mm. but maybe you should have done better filtering on tinder like or you know what i mean M- yeah more I'm conversation. Very picky. yeah I've, I've become way more picky yeah. since that yeah yeah I've, so that's why like i will usually have to text someone for like a, a day or two and like yeah. you know do you make me laugh like is there like just a certain some is there something spark. there yeah. exactly and because a lot of guys are like the, they say hi and then will you go out with me and and then they get really offended when I say, well, actually, I, I don't know you enough to say yes to that. If I said mm. yes to every guy that just asked me out, then that would be very silly of me. Then I would have no more time. But it's interesting what you say, like, you know, texting for a day or two. I, because I, 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 I have used Tinder as well, and, and I... I was <laughs> I needed like a week at least because it, for me yeah I never felt like good if I met someone 
and I spent two, three hours talking to that person mm-hmm. and it didn't leave anything behind somehow. Like, I didn't feel like, okay, I don't really love meet her. I don't want to have sex with her. Yeah. You know, there's not, nothing more here, you know? So I kind of felt that it was a waste of my time. I could have been yeah. doing something else. But but it made me, we were actually, me and my girlfriend were talking about this, um, how these apps have changed. I mean, first of all, they you go on a date and you have 50 other potential dates in your pocket. So you kind of know if that person that you met screws up you can always, you know, you just pick up your phone and there are 50 other people ready to meet you, <laughs> especially if you're a girl. That That's crazy because, you know, you have not don't only have plan B, but you have like plan B, C, D, E, whatever. Yeah. And the other thing is that cutting off a communication with someone that you actually communicated with for some time has become so easy, like this ghosting. You yeah. know, you just stop answering someone. Yes. And for me, this is... This is actually so far away from what we are in in terms of treating each other with respect and so on. Yes, I try not to ghost people, that, but that's also why I got really, really picky in dating apps yeah. because I don't want to end up ghosting mm. <laughs> a lot of people. And I always try and say, hey, listen, I feel like we're just not in the same wavelength here. Mm. But then guys get really offended by that. They're like, oh, you didn't give me a chance. I'm like, yeah, I did. And it just didn't, yeah, it didn't work. Didn't convince me, and then apparently you have different standards than I have for connection. Because Mm. if you thought this was a good conversation, then that's just another sign that we don't match. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's like you're watching a different movie. Yes. Um, But uh, what about then? You know, kids and family. I mean, would you? Do you? I mean, I know actually from the club that you work in. I know girls there that have children and they're married. Yeah. Is that something, I mean, would you see yourself being in this industry and then having a child and um, getting married? I mean, it's not a life goal of mine because I feel like I've, I'm the type of person who I think I, I could also be happy if I if I never had kids or anything. Mm. I mean, of course, like every human being on this planet, it would be great to have a partner to share my life with to a certain degree, but this is something I cannot force and I'm, I'm not going to make compromises just to have a relationship or like just to have kids, so... Either it happens and then I guess it's meant to be or it doesn't and then I'm going to have to let it go, which is maybe not going to be that easy, but I'm surely able to work through that too. Mm. And I have so many projects in my life that like in a way feels like having babies. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's not the same. I know it's different if you actually have a baby, but well, I feel like... I have like a dog. I would never want to have a kid. It's there enough. you go. Maybe I'll just have 17 cats one day. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't want to become bitter over it, but I feel like I cannot... This is something I kind of force. Like I cannot, like either I meet someone who who this like this like, happens like, with. Them. Yes, exactly. And then like a kid is something that grows out of that connection, mm. or not. And and maybe that's gonna be sad because I have the part of me that feels like yeah, I, I could have a kid. It mm. would be nice. But also I have a big part who's like no, let's just have a career instead yeah. and have a lot of projects and mm. uh, independency and freedom, all of that. Mm. So what's the worst thing that can happen to a stripper? Is that like farting in a private dance or something? I mean, what's the... Well, you wouldn't believe that, but some people are actually into that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's not something I want to do. Oh, what's the worst thing? Have you had some um, super embarrassing moment? or? I've once broken a toe during a lap dance. That uh-huh. was really bad. I was a bit drunk and I was like in this show-off kind of mood and was like, oh, let me do a handstand on top of you. And then I dropped into the splits from that. But I, what I hadn't taken into account was that there was a table next to me. I was wearing open-toe heels and yeah, that was, that was And you had bad. to stop, I guess, and... and 
Uh, yeah, my bone was sticking out uh, <laughs> to go to the hospital. Oh, yeah, that's not a great thing. <laughs> yeah, it was not great. <laughs> Are you insured for something? I mean, how, how does this work? Do you have an insurance or um, I mean, you just then, have a health insurance, I guess? Yeah, back then I was insured for, oh. for that sort of thing. But I think the worst thing, like, it's, it's weird to say that, but I think the worst thing is when people call you out on a lie. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> because I try not to lie at my job. I take pride in the fact that I'm quite honest because I feel like that's where real connection happens. But, you know, sometimes you, you fake a little bit more interest or you laugh a little bit louder at someone's joke. And I think for me, it's it's embarrassing when I feel like the guy's calling me out on it because that means that my illusion didn't work. And, and I also feel bad because I want him to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, and yeah. it makes him feel small about himself. Yeah, somehow. and I, I don't want to f- make him feel like I'm playing him. Because, of course, it's my job, but it's my job to entertain you. But I, I told this guy the other day, he was like, oh, but I can't have fun here because it's all fake. And I said, well, you don't go to the movies and complain that it's just acting. Mm. Like, just enjoy the show. Just enjoy the service that I'm providing. And then there's actually a higher chance that I'm actually going to like you. Mm. But if you just complain the whole day that oh, you're just here for work, like then you're just gonna ruin it for yourself. Mm. But it's a hard job. I mean, like you, you're in sales. You're selling. Yes. Um, you're selling drinks, private dances. You're selling your moves on the stage. Mm-hmm. You're selling your outfit, uh, uh, the whole package, mm-hmm. and you're selling an experience or, a, yes, or exactly. an idea of of an experience um, and a dream. Yeah. Uh, but you must get like a lot of no's. Yes. How yeah. is that to always people say more no than yes? Yeah, it's it's something that I think a lot of people aren't aware of, like that want to be strippers. Like, you know, have these girls that say, oh, I just become a stripper. It'll be so easy. And, and I always think like you have to be prepared to like face a lot of rejection. And it, it I think it always takes you a while when you first start in this industry to just learn to not take anything personally. But of course, there's always going to be some days where something just hits you, you know, mm. or like someone just finds your weak spot. I remember one one night in Paris and I was PMSing that night, just getting my period. So I was on those days, I always feel like more vulnerable. And I remember this guy told me, oh, you're so boring. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like my Achilles heel. <laughs> I feel like part of the reason I became a stripper is to, to feel less boring in a way. So I just... I remember how that that crushed me that night. You know, I just went backstage and cried. And like, of course, it wasn't like the first guy that was rude to me that night. It was probably 17 other guys before that. And you always have nights where it just kind of piles up on you. And maybe you didn't sleep enough. And it just it gets really exhausting. Mm. And then, yeah, what do you do? You just have a good cry. You take a deep breath. Maybe take a break. And you try again. You just mm. keep trying. Because that, like... This is like uh, the nightmare of the the salesperson, you know, because I I don't know if you're in telesales and you make mm-hmm. hundred calls to offer an insurance yeah. and you got ninety nine no's. Yes. And, and and but when you say like this guy, he said that you're boring. I mean, I guess the rejection that you would get is not usually personal. It's more like. No, I'm not interested. Yeah, or, exactly. Or I don't have money, or I, I came here for something else. That's a very good point. Yeah, and then it's obviously easier to not take it personally because mm. you just feel like, oh, you don't see me. Yeah. So what you see and what you don't like has nothing to do with me. Yeah, yeah. And and you not wanting a lap dance has more to do with you than with me. Mm. The but problem the, is you, not me. If something's if someone's calling you out on something that you feel like, oh shit, that's quite personal. Like that's actually quite good observation about an insecurity of mine. Then. 
that can be harder to shake off. Mm. So if you were going to give an advice to a customer, a guy or a girl that comes into a strip club, well, if you could in one sentence tell them something that could make both their experience and your experience nicer, what would that be? Just be open and mm. respectful. Because I think the hardest for me is when I walk to someone, they immediately shake their head. It's just like, give me a chance, you know, give me give me a chance to find to find uh, the the door that can open imagine how the jehovah's witness guys feel oh <laughs> shit it must be almost yeah, the same yeah because they don't even they, i mean you're saying give me a chance to start mm-hmm. they they knock on the door and somebody looks and they see the suits they don't even open yes that i think maybe there's actually a lot of similarities between strippers and jehovah's witnesses Knows, who knows? I think it's a very good discovery we yeah. just made. <laughs> you can use it in your comedy. Yes, okay. I'm Royalty free. Okay. <laughs> but um, um, I think, and, and if we think about like what, what, because I think this is, yeah, like we, I think we said it here at the beginning. It's a, it's a line of work that a lot of people have opinions about, but that not a lot of people actually know. Yes. Uh, they haven't tried it. They don't know anyone who's done it, and they have never been in a place like this, but they think they know best. Yes. What's the kind of the most common misconception that people have about this? Is it the, is it the money or is it I the think decre- so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks you're rich. Mm, no, I just, everybody thinks that strippers are only doing this job for the money. Uh-huh. So um, the because Ferrari it must be such a shitty job that if it wasn't for the money, he wouldn't even bother. So the Ferrari out here is a rental, or <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's mine. <laughs> so, the, so that's the thing. People yeah. just think that that could be the only motive, money. Yeah, I think it's just the the misconception that annoys me the most because mm-hmm. I think if you if you meet me, if you talk to me, you will realize that I'm very passionate about this job and that again, if it was for the money, I'd probably do something else. Mm-hmm. I'd become a banker. Yeah. <laughs> um, COVID. Yep. I guess that changed this a lot. I mean. Yep. So how did you tackle that? What was your kind of recovery plan? Um, I posted a lot on Instagram around that time because mm. I felt like I felt the need to still. I felt like I still needed a stage somehow. You know, I felt the need to still like perform for people a lot. And then another thing that I also did, and I started that even like just two months before COVID happened, is uh, my online p- platform, the Patreon that mm-hmm. I'm doing. It's a lot of girls are using OnlyFans. For me, it was Patreon because it's just it gives me more space for like the artsy things that I do. Because mm-hmm. I started writing short stories about stripper things that happened to me like three years ago, and it gave me a platform to publish those, and it gave people like a way to like get to know me and my job better, and also could publish like pictures and videos there. So that saved me a little bit during that time. And I have to say I was quite lucky because I got a few opportunities like modeling jobs. And then I was on the Swiss Bachelor, uh-huh. like a TV show. Cool. And that was also like during the pandemic. And like for me, it was a good chance to take because I basically had nothing else to do. And I was like, okay, sure, let's go on TV then. So I actually consider myself quite lucky um, but also worked hard, you know, I kept I kept working out, I kept making costumes, I kept like trying to create online content more. Just mm. But you do, do you do a lot of private, like, uh, let's say, stack do's and, and, and like 
home party stuff, right? Performance. Yeah, especially over the last year, that was like my main source of income. Uh -huh. Like because around May, June, restrictions opened up a little bit in Switzerland, and then people started doing all the the stag dues that they had to postpone during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I had a quite busy, quite a busy summer. Mm -hmm. And as I said, I don't work in clubs in Switzerland because I don't find any that I like. So I work with agencies that like book me. Or like people that can book me through those agencies if they want to have a party or an event, a birthday party, bachelor party. So mm -hmm. I just drive all over Switzerland and, and do a lot of private shows, mm -hmm. which I know that's something that not every stripper can do. Like there's girls who like better working at clubs and then there's girls who only do private shows. And so But the I do private both. show is more like an in and out thing. You come... You perform and you're gone, right? It depends on how much money you're spending. Uh -huh. <laughs> I've had people tip me very well for private shows and I ended up partying with them all night. Uh -huh. So it really depends. Like there's a fixed price. And I think this is something I like about doing those kind of shows is that I kind of, I don't really have to hustle for it. Like the mm -hmm. only thing I have to do is maybe have a good online presence, have a good website. Like I have to be able, like people have to be able to find me. Yeah. And and luckily, like I'm well known in Switzerland, like enough so people can find me, and also my agencies seem to like working with me, so it's easy for me to get those bookings. And then there's no competition there, you know. You don't have to talk people into a lap dance because they already book you, and you yeah. already like have the fixed price. Yeah, you're not you're, no, you're not the only uh, you're you're the only fish in the sea. Exactly. In so that part is easy, mm -hmm. but like the. I think the challenge there is it's just like you drive somewhere like into like a hut in the yeah, middle of the, the forest in the middle yeah. of the night and and then you like meet someone and, and they're like, oh, you just start to show, you just go into that room and you walk into a room and you don't even know how the room will look like, how many people will be there, like the lighting will probably be very, um, like not very gentle for you. So like there's a lot of other challenges and then you have to entertain a group of people for like 20 minutes, which is very different to just dancing on stage at a strip club because it's just way more chill there. You can just do some pole moves and roll around the floor a little bit, but entertaining a group of people for 20 minutes, that's a different kind of lap dance. Like it's more like you have to really do a show. Like you have to have like kind of like a storyline there, mm -hmm. like an arch where you build up a little bit. Do, but so do I you feel safe doing this? I mean, like, because that when, when, when I saw... Yeah, I checked your homepage. You, by by the way, you have a really cool online presence, both Thank your you. homepage and your Instagram. It's it's great. But I, and I saw this that you were doing a lot of this, and you told me also before. But the, the, because in the club there are bouncers and security yeah. and the cameras, even in some of them, and yes. uh, yeah, or all of them, but um, in the right places to keep you safe. Yes. How is that in this when you drive um. to the middle of nowhere and? I mean, that, first of all, that's the reason I don't do shows for single people. Like mm -hmm. people try and book me for lap dances in their living room. And th that's something I uh -huh. don't do because that's a completely different vibe. Because then it's not about entertaining a group of people or doing a show. Then it's it's the kind of intimate lap dance you would have at a strip club. But in a setting that gives you no way to like redirect that energy afterwards. Let me just say it like that. And I can't bring a security guy to like stand next to, next to us. A lot of girls that do private bookings just bring a security guy. But, um, well, first of all, I have usually those bookings go through agencies. Yeah, so they already kind of... Yeah, and that already filters a lot out. Mm. Because I feel like uh, the group of people who, who like books a stripper through an agency, they're usually the group of people who wants a stripper and nothing else. And I think we underestimate people sometimes because usually those groups, they just want to have fun. Mm. They want to have a good time. They want to be entertained. And I think most people are aware that if they cross certain lines, they are not going to have fun. 
like mm. not really. And then something I always do is I talk to them on the phone beforehand, which sounds simple enough, but I think it gives me a very good idea of what they want. Like if the first thing they ask me is, oh, where can we touch you? I'm not going to trust you. <laughs> mm. So like if someone refused to talk to me on the phone, I would not go there. Yeah, yeah. so you have those kind of yeah, traps. I feel like I've, that phone conversation for me is very important mm. because I it, it gives me quite good idea of how people are like. And then mm. I think that the other thing that gives me safety is like once I show up there, um, just demanding respect from the first second on. I think if you just, if you waver just a little bit, if you just, a little bit unclear about what's okay and what's not, people are going to take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't they? Mm -hmm. Like if they can't do more, yeah. then of course they're going to try to do more. But I just, I walk in there and I'm like, I'm the boss bitch. You know, if you just look at me the wrong way, like if you call me darling, I'm just going to call you out on it. Like I think it's, it's really like creating that aura of like, you bitch, give me respect. Mm. So you want Frau, Fraulein? <laughs> yeah, this this one guy said Schätzchen to yeah. me. I don't know if you know how to, it's no. like sweetheart in uh -huh. German, and I was like, you don't call me that. Well, but, but what's, <laughs> what's approved? What's approved? I, I think it really depends depends on the moment. Uh -huh. You know, maybe there's a moment will be fun to to call me sweetheart, but just not don't greet me with it. Yeah, you know, like. And again, I, it would be arrogant of me to say, oh, I'm always safe. Like I'm fine. Like of course there is a a small percentage of, of risk there mm -hmm. like there's a danger mm -hmm. which is why it's expensive to book me you know mm -hmm. because i have to take that risk into account Consideration, yeah. and i always tell people where i am and like i will like, give the safety call and stuff but of course i'm not 100 percent safe like you mm -hmm. bad shit can always happen but, that, but like that i feel like i do my best and i've never been in a situation where i felt unsafe except maybe once or twice and that was always my own fault because mm -hmm. it was always because Maybe like I let something pass that wasn't a hundred percent okay, and then every everyone felt like, oh, okay, I can touch her there, cool. And then I felt like, oh, okay, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Like mm -hmm. nothing like super bad, but just like I left with like not a great feeling. I felt like, ah, oh, I feel like crossed the line there. But on the other hand, what job do you have in the world that you're 100% safe all the time? Exactly, you know. But like I've, I've had this moment. I was driving home from a gig, and I was. I looked like a whore. Um, I was wearing like stockings and laundry and like all slutty makeup and stuff. And I was driving home and it was raining and my um, oil light went on mm. in the middle of nowhere in the car. And I was like, shit, like, what do I do now? Mm. <laughs> like, I don't want to stop at like 2 a.m. in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it was raining. Like, this is bad. So I just kept on driving till I was home and luckily nothing happened. But... Yeah, yeah, that's why like I signed up to like the auto club in Switzerland now, so they can <laughs> come rescue me. <laughs> I think my uh, like the worst case would probably be getting stopped by the by the police yeah. when I'm in my police costume, <laughs> or maybe that would provide a really good story. Who knows? Yeah, um, a little bit because yeah, just to kind of end it on um, the comedy because you know that's kind of where I found you um, yes. or got to know you and. Uh, and I liked a lot of the material that you brought in there, and um, and I found it interesting. And then I knew that I needed to talk to you and and ask you to come here. But how is the interplay between those two worlds? I mean, stand up comedy and and striptease. Can you, let's say, can they cross? Can these two worlds cross? Can you? Yeah, I mean, I saw you make fun of of 
your stripper life yes. on stage. But can you bring it the other way around? Can you bring comedy into the strip club? Oh, I can. And the other day I was trying to get this guy to come into uh, the, the lap dance room with me mm. and he really didn't want to. And his friends was like, yeah, go with her, we'll pay for it. But he like he was really scared. And I like I tried every angle and he just didn't want to lap dance. And then I said, you know what? We go in there. I'll tell you jokes the whole time. Mm. And he was like, okay, let's go. So I had to I, I had to tell him my, my comedy uh, program while... We were in the lap dance room and, and it was hard, you know, because like if you mm. try and entertain a single person who came to a strip club, it's it's not an easy crowd. So I got naked just so I, I would feel more confident <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, I feel like by now going on stage naked is easier for me than telling jokes because this I know I'm good at mm -hmm. the telling jokes. Eh, you really depend on the audience's feedback there. But not so much on stage or what? Or are you just learned? No, yeah, because that's actually what I wanted to talk to you about. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, can you be nervous telling jokes on stage when you're not nervous being naked on stage? I'm very nervous. I feel like it's a it's a different side of me that I'm not that secure about. Mm -hmm. You know, like if if you don't like my butt, okay, I've learned how to live with that. But if you don't like my humor, maybe I'll take that more personally. I don't mm -hmm. know. Like, I just feel more vulnerable also because, I mean, I haven't done comedy for that long. Yeah, yeah. I only started last summer. Yeah. But, I mean, one other part where it crosses is that I'm doing burlesque shows, which is kind of like stripping, except you don't take everything off and mm. there's more glitter and yeah. it's more about storytelling. Like, you basically use the act of stripping to tell a story. Mm. And I started doing funny burlesque acts too. You know, mm. I will go on stage wearing a trash bag and like walking and like dancing around. So... I've learned how to make people laugh even through burlesque, like even through stripping, which I think mm. is really good, really good mix. But the burlesque scene is actually quite big here or has grown. And I had a girl mm -hmm. on, on my, my show, I don't know, like 20, 30, 40 episodes ago. And, and she's a burlesque teacher now. And, and, dancer, and she, exactly that's what I like about the burlesque is that it's, it's a little bit of a comedy story somehow, you know. It's like, more playful. Yeah. yeah. She has a bathtub that she uses on stage mm. and then it started leaking and she was trying to hold her hand in there so it wouldn't lose <laughs> all the water, you know. And the show must go on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, um, so you, but I guess in both as a stripper on stage and as a comedian on stage, you kind of, you feed off the energy, right? From yes. the crowd. And again, at the strip club, I find it, I feel like there's for me there's like three different kinds to be on stage. Like I can tell jokes on stage, mm. or I can do a burlesque show on stage, and, and both um, of these I feel like I'm very depending on the audience's interaction, like with me. Like I'm very dependent on like the communication, like the the dialogue that mm. happens. And in burlesque, like you 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 want the audience to cheer, and then you take more clothes off. But you also have a choreography, like you have a plan of the story that you're gonna tell on stage. Whereas in the strip club, I can just, I can just dance. Mm -hmm. And I think when you asked me earlier, why, why did you want to go back to the strip club? I think it's also that kind of, that way of dancing, that way of performing that I don't get when I'm doing burlesque. Because when you're doing burlesque or like comedy, like you have to like deliver, you know, you have to entertain people, you have to bind their attention. But when I'm on the stage in the strip club, I can just so now dance on the bit. pole. Like mm -hmm. I can tune into whatever music is playing and, freestyle and in a way this feels more authentic to me mm. 
and it, it's still really fun to like tell a story in when you do burlesque comedy because it gives you more purpose in a way and like you can mm. maybe reach the audience more but there's something i feel like the essence of 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 why i love stripping is just expressing your sensuality while like forgetting yourself a little mm. bit mm. and i feel like i can do that on a strip club stage but i can't do it as easily on a burlesque or comedy stage mm. that's interesting um yeah, you you don't do this for the money. I know that money. I mean, that's what puts food on the table yeah, and roof over your head. And all, yeah, <laughs> but but it's not like it's not like you went into to doing this to become rich from yeah. it. Um, what's the kick? You know, what what's the reward for you? I think it's the moment where I feel like I'm I'm connecting to someone. Like I, I can have I can create an experience for someone. Like I can I can open them up to something new which mm. might be very joyful or it might like really move them in a way either for a conversation or like to like providing a new perspective. Mm. Like if you keep it very general because I'm trying to find the thing that I have in comedy burlesque and stripping. Mm. Just, just for me the purpose of art is just opening something up in your audience and mm. whatever that is if you make them laugh if you make them cry like you can even shock them which is not the way i'm trying to do it but i just wanna i want to move them you know and mm. i love seeing audio uh, performances that make me cry you know because it's just so beautiful or because it's so moving or mm. because what's being expressed on stage is just so authentic and true but do you? But I must also be like this, like any other art and performance. There's a validation somehow. Yeah, and I think it took me a while to just fully admit that to myself. Mm. I mean, of course, it feels great to be validated for what you do. It feels mm. great to get attention and positive feedback. And yeah, and I think this is something also struggled with when like the pandemic happened and I couldn't work after two months. I like went down a spiral where I felt like okay why am I even doing the job that I'm doing like because now I haven't done it for two months and I'm really unhappy but mm. what is it actually that I'm missing am I missing the attention or is it like what's my motivation to do this job and I try to like tell myself in the world that I'm doing this job because I love the connection with the with the audience but of course it's also the attention a mm. little bit and I mm. think it's it's okay that it's both. Yeah, if you find the person who says that they don't like positive attention, then that person is a liar. Yeah, I think everyone who goes on stage has some sort of compensation going on. Mm. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, as long as you control it, then you control yes. your boundaries and, and, and... Yeah, I think if you're aware of it, mm. then that, that's, a good, that's mm. a good base to work with. Okay, so, uh, guys, if you... So, yeah, I, I want people to check your social media profile and yes. your page. So, so the, the web page is... It's amber-eve.com. Um, yeah, amber-eve.com. Or like a, yeah. Yeah, how do you call the little... I, I, th I don't know, <laughs> slash or whatever. Slash? I thought that's like the vertical. Yeah, one. but I'll put, I'll put the links in the <laughs> episode good. description anyway. And then Instagram. My Instagram is amber-eve underline or underscore official uh-huh uh, you might have to type out the whole thing because i'm constantly shadow banned because uh instagram doesn't like me showing my booty that much yeah well i'm shadow banned also but not because i'm showing my booty I, i'd probably write the wrong stuff in my text <laughs> yes uh. and if you want to check out my artwork uh, on patreon that will be patreon.com slash amber eve mm -hmm. and that's where my short stories live and nudes <laughs> and i will put all the all the all the stuff 
uh, in the episode description. You're working on something now. You're you're working on. Well, you said you have the short stories. Yes. And then you're working on something called Comic Strip. Yes. Uh, I'm producing a show in Switzerland called Comic Strip. I've been doing it for two years and it, the next one's coming up next month. Um, basically, I created it because I needed more stages in Switzerland to do what I love doing because I just felt like I don't have enough opportunities to perform the thing that I want to show through the world. Mm. So I created a show um, with comedians because, again, I went to all these comedy shows and I felt like, you know what would go great with that? Some mm. boobs. Mm. So uh, we have a show where we have uh, comedians on stage. They don't strip generally. Uh, we have burlesque dancers well, on stage. Yeah, you're you're a crossover. You you do both. You um, and at this show, I only do um, comedic burlesque. Okay. I don't do comedy there because I just feel like I'm I'm not good enough. Like I wouldn't book myself for that show just uh -huh. yet. Um, okay. Maybe eventually I would do it, but I just feel like. People come there also to see me do burlesque mainly, but maybe mm. in the future I also do comedy or mm -hmm. like host it, and then often we'll have like some sort of variety acts like drag queens or something, or like a juggler or a mm. magician, and it's a very silly show. And I think what makes it special is that people get to buy strip dollars at the entrance and throw them at the comedians and the performers uh -huh. uh, and the burlesque dancers throughout the show, and this is something you won't find anywhere else in Switzerland, and it's so much fun for the people because it just, I think it. It encourages what I was talking about, like encourages uh, respecting people and also like daring to like show appreciation yeah. and tip your performers and people love doing it because yeah. then they can make it rain, which is like something yeah, you always yeah, want to do, like in the movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it also like I'm able to pay my performers quite well because of that. And I'm mm. proud of that because I don't want to do shows for free. Mm. So that means I don't want my performers to do it for free. So that's good. And yeah. uh, and when are you coming back here to Prague? When when are you? Because you're leaving tomorrow, I think. Yes. Um. Hopefully, I can come back in March. Um. Okay. Depends a bit on how much Switzerland wants that booty. Yeah. <laughs> and then there'll be wedding season starting in but summer. But I saw I saw on your homepage actually that you have I mean you have a very impressive program. I mean, like you are doing a lot of lot of stuff. Yeah, I do a lot. Um. Uh, also do like artwork on the sides. So I had an exhibition last yeah. month, so I have a lot of projects because I want. I need oh. to keep busy because remember, in Switzerland, I can usually only work weekends, so I kind of need to do something during the day. During the week, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, I think Amber, we are kind of at the end. Um, yeah. Guys that are out there listening, uh, follow the show and uh, yeah. Tell all your friends about it and let me know if any cool people are out there that I should talk to. And uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, it was really nice to have you and thanks for coming on such a short notice. And, and Thank you so uh, much. I know you're going to go now and do some comedy somewhere, right? Yes. There's some improv or, or some, some... There's a comedy open mic I'm going to now, yeah. yeah. And then afterwards to work. <laughs> so like you do a podcast, you do a comedy and then you go to a strip club. Yes. <laughs> it's so a busy day for me. a very busy day, <laughs> yeah. I hope you had enough coffee to stay awake. Yeah. So far, so good. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.